Look around. Everywhere these days, people are crying out for effective leadership. There's no mistaking it any longer. Men, especially leaders, are struggling, emasculated by imposed rules, stereotyping, and leadership models that are no longer working. There are many women who are doing a much better job at leadership than the men, and we need to recognize them. We need their help too. Welcome to Well, the Women's Expressions on Leadership, Learning, and Liberty podcast show, and I'm its host, John Krotek. This is the show where women can help us men to be better men, more effective leaders. Our guest for this next episode of WAMP, the Women on Masculinity podcast show, is somebody who I am really excited to have on the show. It's taken me a while to get here. I met Misty Burmeister on LinkedIn several months ago, and I've just been really charmed by her messaging and charmed in a, in a business way. Um, she puts a lot of love out there. She's got an aura around her that if you're aware, guys, you can pick up on right away. She's a consummate leader, and she's very skilled in what she does. Misty holds a Master of Arts degree in communications from the University of North Col Northern Colorado. She's an executive coach and a best-selling author. In fact, the Washington Business Journal named Misty among the top women who mean business. Whoa, that's pretty good. Congratulations. Can't wait to hear more about that. Misty has great experience and she stays busy. She's hard to track down sometimes, but, but she is out there. So she has served as an executive coach and trainer to such major organizations as Johns Hopkins Carey School of Business, Marriott Hotels, Johnson & Johnson, AT&T, the United States Navy, and the Environmental Protection Agency. Those are some huge organizations. So I know just from that alone, Misty has some valuable tips for us. She's also a serial disruptor. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, does that mean serious troublemaker? Or does that mean somebody who is adding to the human condition? And I guess it could be a serious troublemaker if you look at it. But she's worked with leaders across many different industries to drive engagement across generations. In other words, she's looking at ways to create better communication between the generations. She believes that comfort, complacency, and fear thwarts our growth, not just leaders, but everybody. Um, and it is for this reason that leaders look to her for her fresh perspective and ability to instigate enthusiasm, engagement, and growth. Her fourth book, Provoking Greatness, offers a unique approach to revealing the talent hidden within your team. And, and I like the way that that's worded in her bio, your team, which brings out um, a very important aspect of leadership. And I know Misty's going to elaborate on it, but how important it is for leaders to have that team, the support of the team, but how to operate and, and increase and improve communication between team members. But anyhow, without any further ado, Misty Burmeister, Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me, John. I'm as much of a fan of yours as you are of mine and so grateful to be able to watch you support other people so beautifully. I see you on LinkedIn, not only liking my post, but also celebrating and supporting other people. It's a beautiful thing to bear witness. So thank you. Well, you're welcome for that. And, you know, 
you're an excellent example. And so, you know, the, you're the type of person that I love having in, in, in the network, but also love your messaging. And I'm not joking when I, when, and I, and to you who are listening, when I say that she, that Misty has this aura about her and her messaging, it's real and you can feel it and the love and, the, and it's great courage to do that too. So kudos to you uh, to be able to put yourself out, out there like that and to be real about it. That's bravery and courage. And that's part of what leadership is all about. And it just gives me goosebumps to think about that. It's nice to watch that in action. Um, but let's, you know, let's, let's get in. We're going to talk about leadership and let's, you know, tell us a little bit about your childhood, Misty, and, and what were you taught about boys growing up and what did you find out? Wow. That's a deep question to dive <laughs> right into. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to start actually, John, with, um, when you and I first connected, because that's a great, a great way for me to come into the, the, the real beauty of men and the things I look for today in men. Um, and actually, you know what, a story will pop for me that will take us even deeper um, with that. But there's been several times throughout my professional career where I've ended up in really precarious situations with, with men trying to put their lips on my lips, trying to do something that's really inappropriate. And my, I wish it weren't the case, but my go-to in those situations are to freeze. Some people fight, some people flee. My natural response is to freeze. And um, a few years ago, after that happened two times in a row, uh, within a couple of months, I realized I'm the only constant in this. So I need to figure out what's going on here. And yes, of course, other people are responsible for their actions, but I needed to figure out what my part was. And so <laughs> I, I um, soon after this experience on a rooftop terrace of a hotel, the hotel was just reopening in D.C. And this gentleman who worked for the hotel, we were talking around the food and he said, hey, have you had a tour yet? And I said, no. He goes, do you want a private tour? And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, let's go. And then before I knew it, I was on the rooftop terrace by myself with him coming in for a kiss, which was very awkward. I had no idea how I ended up in that position. Thankfully, somebody came right up the stairs at that exact moment and I was freed and I left. But I had his business card in my hand. And with my business, with his business card in my hand, I had two options, right? I could call his manager and have a, a few words there um, or I could call him. And so I chose to call him. And the conversation started off with, you know, um yesterday was awkward um there's some specific moment that was really awkward he got kind of defensive and i said listen i just need to understand what did i do that made you think that was okay mm. and he got real defensive again and i said i don't think you hear me <laughs> i know you got your own stuff you're not my problem i am what was it that i did that made you think that that was okay and he says to me, and I'm going to paraphrase and put it in my own words. I have a penis. It's very active. You're beautiful. And you need to learn how to set some boundaries. Mm. And of course, I wanted to drop kick him. But instead, I thanked him. I only wish I had gone to his manager later to still turn, turn in that story, that experience. I didn't. I took the lesson and I've used it ever since. Which for me means I'm very hesitant with men in leadership now. I'm very boundaried around men in leadership, um, in career, and, and really mostly in career. So if it's a friend introducing me, I, there's a different context, right? 
But I used to come in for hugs all the time because for me, I'm a hugger. I love to hug. And I've had to work hard at just shaking hands or today, right? Elbow bumping, whatever it might be, but not hugging. It's a little bit easier in today's um, uh, environment because of COVID. Um, but, but for me still, my go-to is when I think somebody is meaning well, or I think they're a good person, I just will go for it. And part of that is because if we go back in my history, some of the things I learned about men, and this is really interesting because as you know, John, I'm married to a woman, <laughs> so right. I'm gay, and, and yet this idea is still very prevalent in my mind, which is I can't be successful unless I have a man taking care of me. And how that shows up in business is I will think if I just develop a relationship with this man, then I'm going to be okay. And it happens over. He clearly has all his stuff together. He's got all the connections. He's got all the opportunities. I just got to have him like me. And it used to be that I thought getting him to like me was related to my sexuality or to my sex or to my beauty. If I got him to like me, then I had him and then I had an opportunity rather than the truth of what makes me valuable, which is the content and the, the uh, resources that I bring to a team, to an organization and how privileged they could be to have the opportunity to work with me rather than the other. So it's taken me a long time to deconstruct that idea. If I'm honest, it probably will be a lifetime experience for me of deconstructing it. I hear it coming up in my head and in my brain, I can hear it. And then I can go, mm, that's an old take that doesn't work anymore. I'm not interested in that. It never actually worked. And I can shift. So when I first met you, um, I didn't know this, but I was, I was paying attention. Does he have an other interest? Because there's been more than just one of you, John, that's come into my life via LinkedIn. And there's been some funky stuff that were red flags. And so I just um, unlinked, unhooked up sort of thing. Right. But with you, there is a consistency about you of care. It's not about me. It's not about my beauty. You're not constantly pointing out, you know, how pretty I am or whatever it might be. You're not pointing at anything that is um, related to that. So I know you're a safe person for me to connect with. And if I, I'm know, honest with you, I still no, got no. the boundary. I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing that. Because you know what? A couple of things come to mind when you mentioned, when you, when you talked about that story. Number one is, you know, listening. And of course, I'm not cutting you off. I just want to make a couple of points here. But, but listening, you know, and guys admit it. We don't listen. My wife says it to me all the time. You don't listen. You know, I hear you, but I don't listen. And, and what you pointed out to me, and I've seen this before, you know, and especially when guys get to talking about certain things, which I abhor, you know, it's one of the reasons why in the eighth grade, I think I wrote a poem, Why I Hate Being a Guy the things that they were talking about was were ridiculous you know rather than looking at people for their value i saw early on that that just wasn't right the conversation but you bring a, up a good point that you know not every woman in business or wherever wants to be sexualized and for some reason the uh, sometimes the environment or the culture has a tendency to do that and and that's what we're trying to discuss and we're trying to change you know, not every woman is jailbait or not everyone, you know, and, and I used to see this in my fraternity. I'm probably going to make some enemies, but my gosh, guys, aren't, aren't these ladies that are our little sisters worth more than a discussion like that? But anyhow, let's, let, let's, let's look at that a little bit closer, you know, boundaries, you know, and now I understand 
how women feel better just from this short conversation about boundaries. You know, just because it's a woman in business doesn't mean that she's to be taken. It's not a victory lap to try to put a move on her or to take advantage of her. I would change your language for me, for my own purposes. I would change your language. What I heard you say is not every woman wants to be sexualized. I would contend that no woman wants to be sexualized. uh, Yeah, no, no, good point want to be sexualized and it makes me think of this um this quote i'm trying to remember who said it treat people as if they Gandhi. treat people as if they are what they ought to be and you help them to become what they're capable of being so as with me uh i didn't know some of the behaviors i was doing was eliciting things in them um and i think that we need to treat people as if they are what they ought to be and treat them with respect and and don't go there in in that way recognizing that there are um there are storylines that that women have bought into. Um, no, I know I'm not alone in this. That women have bought into, we get sucked into thinking that this will be my savior. By the way, this, if I just get this contract, then I'll have worth. If I just get this contract, then I'm going to be okay. Then I'm going to be, and fill in the blank. And you see this a lot in Hollywood where if I just get this role, then I'm going to, if I just, and they'll sleep their way to the, whatever that means. Right. And so and the truth is, is no, every time you give away a piece of yourself, you lose a part of yourself. And so for me, the work is for me, not for anybody else. The work is, uh, is for me to have such good boundaries, not walls, right? I have to work on that, not to wall off, but such good boundaries that I can connect both to you and to me, right? I think one of the best um, definitions I've ever heard of boundaries, which I originally heard from Brene Brown. She's citing somebody else and I can't remember who it was, but it's the closest distance between you and me where I can love both you and me at the same time. So that's what I strive for in relationship. And the moment that I don't feel like I can care for myself or love myself and all of the things that I need in relationship, then I have to take some space back. No, that's an awesome quote or an awesome philosophy because it gets back to what we had talked about early on is about this divine sense of love and, and not the constructed love that the world embraces so often. You know, that's, um, you know, so, we're, you know, listening and boundaries, you know, which are so very important to the leadership equation. You know, what do you see then? You know, that being said in the story that you shared, what do you see, what holds back men? You know, from being effective leaders, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal. The title said, Why Incompetent Men Become Leaders. And the title itself was like, wow, that's an eye opener. It's already putting out that men are incompetent. But, you know, what do you think holds men back to being effective leaders? So, first of all, I will say my fundamental absolute belief is that every one of us is doing the best we can with the information and resources that we have. And so, when we start from that space, then the, the, the desire to become more effective in our leadership is where we begin. And then we can go, what's, where can I grow? So what's holding people back is the presumption that I'm supposed to already be something. I'm supposed to already know that. And so instead of opening ourselves up to where we have opportunity for growth and for improvement, we just sort of shrink and keep everything out. And we say things, we hear things from men, which are, uh, related to this is ridiculous. I mean, women have their have opportunities too. We hear a lot of defending and protecting, rather than an openness and a curiosity 
uh, of oneself. How, how can I become more effective? And we're not just, I mean, I just want to change this a little bit. I know this is men and women. I, I want to contend that men asking themselves and women asking themselves this question is going to help everybody. You know, where do I have the most opportunity for, for growth for myself? How am I coming across this whole idea of feedback? One of the best books I ever read in a leadership-based book is called Thanks for the Feedback. It was written by um, Douglas Stone and, um, oh gosh, Sheila Heen and Douglas Stone. And it's really about how do you receive feedback? And it gives you a, a sense of what the body physiologically does when we hear that basically we're not perfect human beings. So there's this, pres this presumption that there's a perfect type of man and he is this way. And usually in business, you hear he's got, um, what's, the, what's the top word, John, that you hear for, for men in business? They are? Well, I hear strong. You know, they're unwavering. They, they are decisive. They don't have time for nonsense. They make a decision and they go. You know, there's this image of the man all powerful and, and the victor and everything. Take the reins and go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on the, on the, on the, so that is the mainstream. And I think on, in the world of uh, conscious capitalism, I don't know if you've heard of this movement, but it has to do with being conscious in the ways in which we uh, run our businesses, being conscious in how we treat uh, our vendors and how we treat the people who work for us and how we treat um, our customers and so on. It's conscious capitalism. Uh, rather than just make as much money as we possibly can, it's creating an environment for all of the people who touch this business to thrive. And um, the people who fall in that, to that group, you hear a lot that they are, you know, they're, they're empathetic, they're, um, they're, they have big picture ideas, they're more, um, um, create a sense of your, like of being held, like enthusiasm, I'm, I'm losing the word that I'm looking for. Specifically. You know, and then, well, then, 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 you know, yeah, higher conscious, you know, I conscious capitalism. I have heard that term four or five years ago when I was down in Florida, but so, you know, but, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a razor's edge for guys though, because we're told in a sense that we, that, you know, not to be, not to be emotional, you know, which I think is just not true. I think it's pure rubbish. I think that men need to be creative. And, and so on one hand, we're supposed to be this all-knowing Wizard of Oz. Well, we think that. And then on the other hand, if we show our emotions, then it's some sort of weakness. And, and no guy wants to be weak. You know, we want to look good to the team. And, and it, it, you know, it, it, there are some muddy waters there. And that's what we're trying to figure out. Is, is I love the fact that you, that you embrace the concept that everybody's doing the best they can. And I kind of believe that, but I also believe we have choices like that guy made a choice to try to put the move on you. You know, I don't know if that's the best he could be. Is it? I'm not interested in judging him. Yeah. I'm not interested in judging him. He will find his own, his own way. But the point I was just trying to make with, you mentioned sort of like some of the qualities that are perceivably excellent for males in leadership and you said a lot of really true statements we hear those things and then i said some things on more of a, a little bit of a different paradigm conscious capitalism ideology and what makes them a good leader um 
you know, you feel comforted with them, you trust them, they know how to create rapport. And I just, my point with this is there is no right way. There is no one right way to lead. There is no, it's not like the men who are leading emotionally are the right way or the men who are leading without emotion that are command and control oriented. There's a space for all of it. The question is, is what's really needed. And you also, I heard you say, so what's really needed to be able to ask that question, you have to have access to other things. Um, so it's not just command and control. It's not just decision-making, but it's curiosity. It's a willingness to, um, to hear another person's perspective. So rather than telling people what to do, we're pausing and going, so what needs to be done? It's a willingness to admit that we don't have all the answers. And, and for whatever reason, men have a much greater challenge with this perceptively than women. And I say perceptively because I've, met, I've worked with a gazillion women who are afraid of not knowing the right answer also. And so they will pretend to know the right answer. And as a result, they don't get to learn. And so right. I also, I heard you say creative versus emotional. You said creative and you, and you intermix that with emotional. And I don't know that those two things necessarily go together. I don't necessarily know that emotional means creative or that creative means emotional, right? So it, I think with emotions, there's also another word out there called emotional intelligence, which I'm not a big fan of because I think we're, we live so much in our head <laughs> that we don't actually come into our hearts. And so we think we know what we're, but we're not actually feeling. So the, the words really matter. And so there's a creative part of all of us. If we're an accountant, if we're a consultant, if we're creative, uh, excuse me, if, if we're, I just said the very words that I'm, I'm, I'm offering a different ideology around. No matter what our position or title is, we all have space for creativity. Even if we're so, so strongly left-brained in the work that we're doing, we still there's still space for creativity. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's um, high levels of emotion necessarily. But you said something, John, that really made me think of an experience I had. So this is definitely not just male-oriented. Women have at least as much of a hard time with emotions, not at least as much. Women also have a very difficult time with emotions. It's just that women are socialized that it's okay that they have a hard time with emotions, whereas men are not as uh, socialized. They're socialized just not to have them, but we all have them and we all have difficulty with them. And almost all of us have a very difficult time expressing what emotion it is that we're actually having. And the reason for that is the research shows us that literally, 95% um, of the population globally has access to more than three emotions. So um, mm -hmm. I'm going to say that differently. Only about 5% of the world's population can say that they're feeling something more um, clear than just mad, sad, or glad. So the top three emotions that most people have access to are sad, mad, and glad. Very few have a clearer understanding of what's underneath those feelings or have access to greater um, a vocabulary. And it is through our ability to communicate what we're feeling to ourselves and to others that we can process it and move on. As, as very often we, we're reacting in anger, but really what we're doing, we're embarrassed, right? So we don't know what it is necessarily that we're actually feeling. So Brene Brown just came out with a phenomenal book for anybody who's really interested in understanding emotions. Uh, it's called Atlas of the Heart. Remarkable. 
you know, it sounds like a good book, you know, and Brene Brown has some fantastic stuff. That woman is awesome. Uh, she has a lot of cutting edge, um, uh, like you said, new paradigms that she's offered and actually seem to work because she's been very successful and she's touched a lot of people's lives. But what you're what I'm what I'm what I'm starting to hear, and I love this, is this higher consciousness, Misty Burmeister approach to to leadership. And I love the fact that you're identifying that the same issues for men and women when it comes to leadership are very similar. You know, when I when I'm when I'm this higher consciousness, what I'm thinking about, and sorry, sometimes my TBI acts up, but I, I get overloaded sometimes. But what, I, what I'm hearing is, is that maybe it's time rather than the group think or the social constructs that we live under in leadership positions, maybe it is time to bring back critical thinking into the equation, taking the deep breath, trying to understand what, where that other person's coming from, male or female, doesn't really matter, I guess. And then try to be an objective reasoner. Does that does that make any sense? Maybe it's time to take a deep breath in everything that we do in our lives, not only at home, but at business too. Is that does that I, resonate at all? Yeah, I think that what you're talking about is a pause. It's taking a pause, and you, you mentioned listening, and less than three percent of the world's population ever gets any formal training on listening which is why we don't understand how to listen and the internal voice is so loud that we think we're listening when we're actually not so there's a really great process that i've uh, i learned originally through a, a program called imago therapy a phenomenal uh program i can tell you more about it put a link whatever but it's a dialogue that makes listening it makes it, it makes you listen if you choose to do it and how it goes is um, so, John, what I'm hearing you say is that right now is the time for uh, for more critical thinking. And did I get it? You did. You, you know, you're on it. That's what you do. I, that's there, what I love about there, you. you. You got it. Exactly. It seems is there like, anything more? No, no. It seems like everybody, and I'm generalizing and I don't want to pass judgment, but it seems like a lot of people adhere to more groupthink at times than they do to their own individual intuition, which is so very important in leadership, because I'm going to get a case study from you about a team that you've worked with. But it seems like we don't trust ourselves at times. And you met, you mentioned trust early on, and, and the trust not only with others, but trusting ourselves. Um, and, and maybe it's easier just to defer, you know, uh, than it is to make a real decision, which takes courage. And it takes leadership. It takes that bravado. I don't know. I don't like the word bravado. Bravery to actually trust our own intuition and do uh, what needs to be done in that particular situation. And I love the fact that you corrected me because you're correct when you say that nobody wants to be sexualized ever. It's inappropriate, when it, especially um, in business and leadership situations. We can just read the newspaper every day or listen to what's on television. And there's always something going on that disrupts those leadership, um, those people in leadership positions. Now, I don't want to digress, but yeah, you've got it. Critical thinking, objective reasoning, higher consciousness, boundaries and trust when it comes to leadership. I don't know. Did I go off topic? <laughs> no, I don't know. No, no, you did it. I love it. Uh, I love everything that you had to say. What I was trying to do was um, emulate what the what the, the the listening dialogue sounds like. 
And so what you heard me do, if, uh, for those who are listening in, is what I'm hearing you say is this, did I get it? Is there anything more? What makes sense about what you're saying is this, especially when it doesn't make any sense at all, to, to really get ourselves to, into their shoes. What makes sense about what you're saying is this, this type of listening commands our presence. It commands us to stop listening to the going back in the back of our head, what's going on in the back of our minds, um, our rebuttals, our opinions, and to actually hear what they're saying. Because when they're done, what we're going to do, if we want to get better at this thing, if we want to become more effective leaders, if we want to become more effective leaders in all parts of our lives, home, work, everywhere, what I'm hearing you say commands us to be able to repeat back what we heard without this presumption that what we heard is right. So what I'm hearing you say is, I might say to my wife, um, that you think uh, that the way that I do this thing is wrong. No, that's not what I said at all. What I right. actually said was, it would be more effective if you did this thing and then this thing. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that it would be more effective for us as a unit if I did this thing and then this thing. Did I get it? Yes. Is there anything more? Yes. Because when you do this thing and then this thing, this is what happens for me. And this is what happens for my mom. And I say, and I repeat that back. Did I get it? Yes. Is there anything more? Until there's no more. You ever want to get somebody to stop repeating themselves? Do this dialogue. I love that. I'm going, to, no I'm going to call that the FLP. You know, I'm probably, you know, I like acronyms. I'm an army guy, right? But I, the force listening process equals success. Um, equals success. You know, force listening process to me. And see, even at 62, I'm still learning. You just taught me something and you've helped me. It may sound kind of crazy, but you've taught me how to become a better listener. That short little process right there, I'm going to try to do that today. Maybe I can get my own wife to say, you know what? You are listening to me, you know, and you can improve my life at home, which, which, you know, if I had a bell, I'd be ringing it, but that's true. Um, so when you mess it up today, because you will. I know I will. Right? I just welcome you to say, ah, isn't that interesting? I've a, I don't know why I can't just be quiet and just hear what it is she's saying. What am I protecting against? I'll give you a quick story because this right here really helped me. As you know, yeah. my father-in-law recently passed and he went through a really difficult, difficult departure. Um, he had cancer and it just, we had to watch him slowly die, basically. Sorry. And thank you. And her mother at one point came at my hair with scissors and these weren't even scissors that you cut hair with these were scissors that you that are for medical purposes and so in that moment I could react to her and get angry which I did but I, I didn't do it in front of her I exited the stage right first and then I screamed and yelled at the wind because that wasn't appropriate um but then I could listen to what it is that I, that I was hearing her say and what her nonverbals were communicating. And I had sought my help from, my, from a coach of mine and also my therapist to really understand, to take myself out of that equation. It's not personal. It's not, she's not attacking me. And I had a lot of like, a lot around that because I'm the gay daughter. Even my wife is an only child. I'm not the perfect person in their world. And I've known that, but they love me and I love them. So 
if you just finish this for a moment, uh, John. So hmm. it occurs to me that I know how, by the way, I learned about this through a, an Al-Anon meeting that I was part of. I heard somebody talk. Al-Anon is a 12-step program for um, friends and families of alcoholics. I grew up in a lot of addiction, so it's been very helpful to me. I heard somebody talk about the difference between connection and competition. And at first I was like, I'm not competitive with my mother-in-law. And then I got it. I'm competitive with lots of people though. I definitely have that competition <laughs> thing inside of me. It's not, it doesn't ever feel good, especially not when the person I'm comparing myself against is so much better than me at this particular thing. Who knows what their life story is and how they got there. But I almost never compare myself against, you know, a reasonable person. <laughs> it's gotta be somebody. And so I understood that perhaps she was comparing her ability to be with her husband against my ability to be with her husband. See, I was sitting next to him and holding his hand. I was talking to him as if he could hear me mm -hmm. because I just intuitively knew that that's what he needed or that's what I could do. I knew intuitively that he could hear me. And I, and I just know that love is always the answer. So to be loving rather than distant was my obvious. And after I understood that I had something that perhaps she wanted to be able to do, but didn't know how to do, then with humility, I could show her how to do. And it was unbelievably beautiful to watch her surround him and rub on his neck and talk to him with love versus the way that she had been. And to watch my wife do the same thing, to watch them be able to do that because of humility. Right. So this is what listening gives us. Now, 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 in that you didn't just hear listening to what she said or her body language, but you also heard listening to myself. This is where it really begins. What hurt about what she did or said? Why was that hurtful to me? Mostly it's because it's a trauma based thing, like something from the past of I'm not good enough. I don't matter is surfacing and that deserves some love. So I sat with myself. I reached out to my resources. I got some clarity. I gave myself a lot of love, including a really hard workout that helped me to process a lot of that and lots of cuss words. <laughs> no, no, I get that. What well, you know, and, and thanks for sharing that. What what you just pointed out is that introspection, taking a deep breath, exiting stage right, as you put it, um, and then realizing that human interaction, especially in a, in a case like this, where there's a loved one who's in the process of dying, that it is a two-way street, you know? And so you set a really high example, you, you know, got rid of some stuff with the cuss words and rightfully so, but you were able to bring it back down to earth and put it in a perspective that benefited everybody. It wasn't just a selfish move. And when you talk about humility, there, you know, more goosebumps because humility is huge. And you exemplified, you know, if we looked up humility at that moment, there's Misty Burmeister right there. That's tough to do in the heat of the moment, especially when some come, somebody comes at you the way you described it. You know, it's an extreme example, right? It's a yeah. very extreme example. And I couldn't have done it on my own. I'm not mm. going to tell you that I could have done this on my own. No, I had a lot of reaction first. I just am aware enough to know that the reaction in the moment with the person is never going to turn out well. And so in a, in a, in a mm. leadership situation, somebody comes into your office 
you know, upset about something and, and screaming at you or not even screaming at you, but um, maybe they're just late all the time. What is our um, automatic assumption about them? Is it that they're, you know, an idiot? Is it that they're just these damn young professionals, which I hear a gazillion times, these damn young professionals? Well, what if it just means that they don't have the skills they need to be successful in the job? Are we stopping long enough to really hear what they're saying? I remember when I first, the reason I started this practice 20 years ago was, did you want to say something, John? No, no, no. I, you're, what you pointed out earlier was about judgment and, and quick judgments can get can get even the best leaders in trouble and so again it goes back to not passing judgment that's you know there's another tip right there don't pass judgment if at all possible especially in the heat of the moment and as a leader if somebody's coming in and they're extremely emotional they may not have all the pieces or because we're going to get to i'm going to give you a scenario about um we'll get to there finish your story but I, but I, this is perfect this is perfect because I've learned a lot just sitting here in the last 35 minutes. Yeah. I, you just said something, and I will tell the story, but you will, you said something that I feel is very impossible. Just as we are designed to be emotional, I remember my mom pan, pounding her fists on her legs at one time when I was having a lot of emotion, and she said, I will not have any emotion in my life. And in the moment, I didn't know anything about like what that even meant. I think I was 16 years old. And today, to me, I converted that into, I will not be a human being no matter what, right? Because we are emotional beings is a part of what, that's who we are. We are emotional right. beings. We have emotions and sometimes we think. We're not thinking beings and sometimes we feel. <laughs> We're feeling beings. Anyway, um, so you, you said these words. You said, don't pass judgment. And I feel like being a human being means that we have judgment. The question is, are we questioning the judgments? Are we, are we, um, are we checking them to make sure that they're right? Are we acknowledging our judgments without criticizing ourselves for having those judgments? That I feel like we can work with that. But to say don't judge is like saying don't be a human being. And, um, and yeah, I think don't, we, don't breathe. Like, don't breathe. Don't breathe. Don't judge. No, we are always constantly judging. Are we aware of our judgments? And for me, in this conversation about men and women rising in leadership, it's really about rising in awareness, awareness of our judgments, awareness of what do we think and why do we think it? What really matters to us and why does that matter to us? Instead of what most of us do, and I certainly fall into this trap myself, you know, <laughs> Men and women are supposed to do this, and then they're supposed to do this, and then they're supposed to do this, and you're not supposed to do that. You know, are you aware of what's really important to you and why that matters? I'm getting ready to go do a talk for the University of North Dakota, North Dakota in February. Ah, Lord have mercy, it's going to be take cold. your uh, take your mittens with you. Right, yeah. right. And I was doing some research on the students, and it's a crisis. The university students right now, it is the highest levels of anxiety and depression we've ever seen mm. in our college students. And I contend that a lot of that comes from a lack of connection and, um, and connection to self and connection to others. Right. So that that sincere connection with one another, they don't know how to do that right now. Mm. And I don't know why I just brought that up at all. But I'm because because well, I know why you brought it up because you you're giving me a lead in to what I want to ask you. Let's just say I I'm a leader, 
at a major company and I've got a department in my department, I've got six people under, under, underneath my department and, and I'm having trouble getting anything out of them. And I know I'm questioning my own leadership style and I'm questioning me. And so I'm looking on LinkedIn and I come across a leadership and communication expert uh, by the name of Misty Burmeister. And, and I reach out to her and what can I expect like the University of North Dakota, what can I expect as a leader of a team from you? What can you help me do? And I'm looking for help. Well, very often, and it's not just big companies. Those are the ones a that- small company or any company, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm working right now with some really brilliant um, nonprofit organizations in Baltimore uh, and also in Maryland. And so it's not just the big ones. I also actually work with some entrepreneurs as well. And typically what they're coming to me for is I can't see my own blind spots. Uh, I know I have them. I don't know what they are. And honestly, John, most of my clients come to me because I speak the truth and I help them to get out of their own way. In a team context, often you see things like people are, are they're not, they're not talking to one another. Instead, they're talking about one another. And I'm brought in to go, how can we be more collaborative? How can we get more engagement and, <laughs> and more creativity or innovation within the organization, particularly in a virtual environment right now? I'm hearing a lot of that. So that all comes back down to trust. How do I create trust inside of my work environment, inside of my team so that they feel safe most of my folks that are coming to me want to know how to create a safer environment for people to bring their full self and all of their passion and all of their talents into the, the work that they're doing. And so I get a chance to work first. Often it's first I work with the leader and then I work with the team. And sometimes then I work with individual team members. But that, so that's how I, how I do that. And most of the people are coming to me because they want to be empowered. They want and I'm going to define empowerment real quick, John. Okay, sure. It's a strongly misunderstood word. Uh, for me, it's helping people to reconnect to their own power. We have our own answers. We, we, we have, we know what we need to do. We're just not listening to ourselves, to our higher self. So for me, it's hearing what is that? There's a, a young lady who recently came to me who's um, got a, a high-level position within a nonprofit organization, very successful person who's just getting ready to leave that organization and go someplace else. Why? Why is that? Well, the truth is, is because there's a crisis in her world of not feeling like she's enough. So it's not that the work or the people that she serves are insufficient or not good enough. It's that she doesn't feel like enough within her career within that job. And she thinks, as we often do, if I just go get that next job, if I just go work for that company, then I'll have more worth and more value. So that work is about going deeper into what is the value that you want to bring instead of waiting for permission and also acknowledging, uh, acknowledging and validating yourself. And also even more beautiful, asking for the acknowledgement and validation that you need. So it's going to your boss and say, look, I'm not real sure what the heck it is I'm doing that's making the big difference here. It's really owning responsibility for what you need and being brave enough and willing enough to ask for it. I love that. You know, one of the things that I think is a foundational uh, core value tenet of leadership and life in general, you know, when you go back to the philosophers centuries and centuries ago, 
and you just talked about it is truth. And truth is a foundational aspect of uh, what I think is, is high character, uh, which exemplifies the way we live our lives. And, and that, you know, we've talked about truth. We've talked about listening, um, judgment, humility. You're an expert at communication, feelings and emotions and boundaries. You know, there's a lot that encompasses our day-to-day -day lives, which is pretty apparent. You know, things we try to simplify, but sometimes things get complex. And so when you hire a leadership expert or a communications expert, what I think and what I'm hearing is, is that they come in to evaluate um, the truth of what's actually going on. And it could be perspective, but I think that, that I just love that concept of truth. And I think that isn't that kind of what most of us are actually looking for when it comes to living our lives, our truth, the truths of others, and yeah. bridging this, bridging it with the communication. I don't know. We've gotten to some deep subjects, so but that's I, I love know, that. Right? Yeah, I think that most people really do want to deal with the actual problem. It's that we hide the actual problem very good from ourselves. We're very good at it. I know I am. I didn't know what my actual problems were. I had to get help to understand what was actually going on. It wasn't all those things. It was this thing inside here. And that's the work that I bring inside of teams and organizations around the world. And I love the work. You know, when we use the word, just as you used the word a few moments ago, use the word group think, and we just use the word truth. And I think it's important sometimes to define words like that, that not everybody who's like you and I, who can't get enough of this content and learning about it. Group think is very often a result of not wanting to upset the apple cart, right? We all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to know that what we do matters. And if there's a perception that we might get less love or we might have less of a connection, uh, less of a sense of belonging, which we all need and want in our lives. In the absence of that belonging, we feel like there's going to be de uh, death. We're going to die. It's happening subconsciously. We're not necessarily aware of it. Our bodies are actually programmed for uh, connection. And so we don't want to lose that sense of connection, sense of belonging. That's why groupthink, which is everybody just sort of starts to believe the same thing everybody else is believing and they stop speaking up, happens. And you also talked about truth, which there's two different ways to look at truth for me. One is capital T truth. For me, that is, um, that, those are the kind of words that when you hear spoken, you're like, that's absolute. That's mm -hmm. just the truth. For me, that's God, right? And then there's, um, which I'm sure can be parlayed right into that concept as well, but there's the truth of what's actually happening here. Why are people, um, the perception might be, why are people leaving this organization? Um, as it comes to the, the, the young lady I just mentioned before, who holds a really great position in a nonprofit organization, the perception in that organization is likely going to be that she left for whatever all these reasons. But the truth is she might be leaving because she doesn't feel appreciated and, and because she doesn't have, um, she's not getting the feedback she needs to live into her potential. And we all, deep down, even if we resist it, we all want to be challenged to grow. We want to, we want help and we want you, I want you to know what matters to me so that you can help me to live into that. 
right? Instead of my job is to tell you what to do. My job is to control and manage what you do. Nobody wants to be managed. We all want to be led. And by the way, nobody wants to manage. We want people to lead themselves. But this is a two-pronged approach. Individuals really yeah. need to do their part. And leaders really need to do their part. We need to believe more in people. Give them a chance to fail. Let them fall on their face. Not like hard or intentionally, but let them try and make some mistakes and then cheerlead them and show them the way. Just a couple of days ago, I heard from a really intelligent leader too. I was surprised to hear this come out of his mouth. Hmm. He said, these young professionals coming into the, um, the workforce, which he'll soon be hiring, um, they're not going to have the social skills. And I really need them to have the social skills to do the job. He said, they're going to, because of COVID, they, they've just been only online. And I was like, wow, you see that as a problem? I see that as a massive opportunity for the folks who are willing <laughs> to help them gain the skills that are needed to be successful in, their, in the careers that matter to them. In his case, physical therapy, kind of important to be able to interact and engage in that environment and there's lots of environments where we need to be able to interact in person and yes this is going to be a real opportunity out there for the leaders and the organizations who are willing to create the environment for growth to happen and to 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 recognize our judgments young people should i remember when i first came into this into this position there is a lot of um you should have this skill you should know this you should well guess what i don't like, that's just reality. That's the truth. I don't have it. And I want to be successful. So show me how to be successful. Stop judging me and show me how to be <laughs> successful, which is. No, no, no. That's perfect. That's perfect. Because what I what I love and, you know, the world needs more serial disruptors like Misty Burmeister, because what I'm what I'm seeing here and what I love. The opportunities, you know, it's another word that just popped up opportunities and with the way the world's been especially the last couple of years because of all the lockdowns and mandates and all the things that have been going on. And we hear about them ad nauseum. Um, what a, what a, an important time for leaders to actually take stock of themselves and the planet and the, and the spheres of influence they have and look at ways to be innovative and, and, and seek out these opportunities. And I'm glad you point out that example because that's astute. That's being intuitive but it's also putting your, your love of truth in action. And anytime we can combine truth with leadership, something good is gonna happen. There's gonna be a good outcome, great outcomes we hope, but, but any outcome that's positive and moves us forward is gonna be good. You know, so that, you know, so right now in this environment, and I'm glad that you're gonna go help those college kids for sure. What can leaders do? Three things, two things, five things, whatever. What can a leader do right now during these times, male, female? You know, now that now the now we're just looking at leadership. What can they do to improve a situation or the situation right now? And then, do you have a personal leadership mantra that you live by? Your own words. We mentioned other people, but in your own words. So I guess it's it's a lot there, but. Uh, you know, what can leaders do right now? And what's the Misty Burmeister mantra that leaders can use as an example or as a rally cry to make things better? I'll start with my mantra. 
and I and I tag it as the best principle. I tag it as the best principle, and I reach for it every day in many different ways. People really are doing the best they can with what they have. That's my mantra. And so sometimes I look at people and I go, "Damn, that's their best." Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wonder that too. I, Shit. I need some help. Right. But if I'm really coming <laughs> from that space of that's their best, then I have a different approach with every person. That's their best. And they're trying to succeed. If I have that approach, my, if I have that mindset, my approach shifts entirely. It goes sure. from judging to loving, from judging to loving. And if there was one, I would only give one thing to your listeners, and that is to increase your awareness, your self-awareness, your awareness. Get, get a copy of that book. Thanks for the feedback. It'll give you a lot of access to how to understand how you're coming across to other people and to care about yourself enough to get to know yourself. Oh, my God. You know, real quick analogy for you. John, I love this analogy. You have a, a brand new iPhone. Let's just call it an iPhone 16 because it's not out yet. Um, so it's an iPhone 16. You've got it. It's like you're so excited to have it. It has all the bells and whistles, everything you ever wanted to have. It has it. And you've had it for a month now and you're really used to it and, and appreciating it. And it just stops working. What do you do? Well, a lot of people will say, I'll go on to YouTube and figure out this problem's happening with my iPhone 16. What do I do? And then you try to do all those things and it still doesn't work. Then what do you do? Well, then you ask some friends and you try to get from them what to do. And then that still doesn't work. So ultimately you take it into the Apple store and you say, this isn't working. And just go with me on this analogy, John. No, I'm, going, it, I'm with you all the way. I am. I'm they take it. They take it into the back, right? And they open that beautiful thing up and they go, oh, look, this wire is, mis is crossed wrong. Let me just cross that back up. Oh, and then this little thing is crossed wrong. And they cross it back up and they put it back together and they say, here's your iPhone. You're like, yes, right? Well, we are that iPhone, only we don't usually put the kind of effort in to ourselves as we do to our iPhones. We don't take the time to get to know ourselves. And Every single one of my clients I've ever worked with, I encourage them to journal, right? What does that look like? I can give you lots of options around that. But every day, talk to yourself on paper. Literally, let your irritations come out. Let your gratitude come out. That's the first thing to let come out. Focusing on the things that are in your world that you're grateful for. Um, looking at the things that aren't working. The day that my, my mother-in-law had her moment with me, I journaled that out, man. I, I just let it rip on paper like, every cuss word you can imagine. And then this other thing started to come of kindness and compassion and understanding. But first I had to listen to me and what was going on inside of me. So every day you journal, every day you sit pen and paper. How did your day go? What worked? What didn't work? There's a whole process around this that I'm happy to share more with you about. And when you put your focus on yourself and understanding yourself, the whole world gets to benefit from that because that that level of awareness gives us access inside of us to the truth. And then you don't need me as much. That's what happens with my clients. They don't need me as much because I'm helping them to reconnect to that. No, that's perfect. You know, I, I, you know, I'm so glad, Misty, that we've finally been able to sit down and have this conversation. We've touched upon a lot of things. One thing that you've helped me with today, and, and I'm grateful for it, is you've reinforced the concept that we don't know everything. 
and that, you know, you've also reinforced the concept that I, that, that humility does make a difference. And, and the guys, gals, whoever's, whoever out there is listening, we don't know everything, but probably more importantly that I love that you said today, and uh, maybe I'll just add it to another mantra. I don't know, but that we are doing the best we can and we can always do better. And, and if we have, I guess, the desire to, to, to get better, aren't there just some people that don't want to get better? that just love doing what they do and they don't really care. I don't know. That's another question. Another conversation. This conversation conversation is stemmed in not enoughness, right? So I think it's enough to say people are doing the best that they can. I think that's enough that they're doing the best that they can. And everything else is a judgment. Yeah, I love that. I mean, there you have it. Yeah, I mean, that's, go ahead, go ahead. If we know and we trust that we are doing our best, then whatever is next for us will come to us and we'll know it. And then we'll do that thing. Problem comes in when everybody else thinks that they know that what we need to do, right? The problem is, is when we think that we don't know what we need to do and we need somebody else to tell us what to do. That's where the problem comes in. So if we can honestly believe that we're doing our best and sit in our skin in that way and not move as much from FOMO, which I know I move from, I used to a whole lot more. I've gotten much better. Fear of missing out. Oh my God, I have to do this. And then I overdo, overdo, overdo. And then I'm exhausted. And then why am I making these decisions the way I'm making it? Mm-hmm. Right. So moving from a place of trust and faith is very different than moving from a, spa- a, a place of being pushed or being told. It just takes a lot more accountability and responsibility for yourself to make decisions for yourself than somebody else tells you what to do and how to do it, when to do it. It's more, you can just pacify and go, I showed up, I did my best, but we know into, we know inside of ourselves what our best is. And we know, we know that. So if we can love on ourselves more, especially for the areas where we're not as good, we'll get better results. Awesome. You know, so how can people contact you, Misty? I know you're busy, you're in and out quite a bit and you know, you're traveling and and you've got things going on. Where can people reach you if they if they need to speak to you about the services or or just if they need to speak to you or with you or talk to you? Tell us. I like that word busy, so I'm going to change it. <laughs> I'm not super busy. I don't like the word busy. I'm very focused on the work okay. that I do. Um, and the, the simple answer to that question is misty at mistyburmeister.com. Um, so you can just send me an email at misty at mistyburmeister.com and I would love to hear from you. But you know, in our society, I'll finish with this, John. In our society, it was so um, easy to get tripped up in being busy that we don't get much done. At least not what's actually important to us. And what's most important to us, we don't even know because we're so busy. I'm not you, know what so else busy. I lo- you know what else I love that you said? This is kind of cool because it's you said, we know, we know inside of ourselves what our best is. We intuitively know. Yeah. And if we could be gentle with ourselves in the process, that it's lovely. And um, you've rearranged a lot of my, my thought patterns just in this short one hour, I'm, I'm looking at things differently. And that's what a serial disruptor does. And you are eloquent 
you're very communicative. You're very easy to understand. I don't mean, I say that in a very respectful manner. And you are a person that any leader needs to feel comfortable in working with. And you are that person. And I'm not joking around and I'm not buttering your bread because the messaging that you put out there reeks of truth and love. And I think that that's what we need more of. And I'm blessed to know you. I know we're going to see each other somewhere down the road. And, and I look forward to that day because it's going to be a celebration. And just, you know, thank you for being here. I love you too, John. You're so special. You really are. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you and with whoever listens. It was a real joy. Your, um, your emotionality is, is, is beautiful. So Thank grateful you. for you. Yeah. Thanks. I got to run. Thanks for listening. You know, without the listeners, men and women out there, we, don't, we're, we can't do what we do. And we love people. It's apparent and uh, just tumbled to have another episode and and to have you on the show thanks misty i'm inspired by you john have a great day bye bye thank you for listening to another episode of well without you we don't exist we hope the men who joined us today learned some valuable tips to improve and not be ashamed to use them be the change set the example Keep going, men. And for the women leaders out there, keep creating and keep helping us men to become even better men, more effective leaders. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and lead.